Hello and welcome to another episode of Blood on the Rocks. I'm your host, Akshay Taylor, and today I'm joined by a very special guest, Mark Bullen. So, Mark, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Hello, Akshay. Uh, thank you for having me on. Uh, my name's Mark Bullen. I'm the author of Thief in Law, a book detailing the history and the actions of the Russian Mafia and all about their tattoos. Before I uh, wrote that, I was a police officer in the UK for 11 years. Uh, I now reside in the United States and uh, translate Russian and uh, yeah, and focus on my, my book stuff, really. Yes, awesome. And you're currently in St. Petersburg, right? Uh, I was. I'm now in Bryansk, which is uh, 400 kilometers, uh, never each really, week west of Moscow, <laughs> I think there. Uh, okay. I, uh, I'm, I'm currently in Russia. I've got another another two weeks here, and then I'm, I'm heading back uh, back to the UK and then back to America. Awesome. Uh, big traveller. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, Russia. Well, I, I get to Russia sort of a few times a year with a, with my job. Um, I know I work yeah. for an American company with a lot to do with Russia, and I, I translate full time now. So, uh, yeah, I get okay. quite a lot. That's awesome. But yeah, so um, today we're going to be talking about Russian tattoos, and like you'll know plenty about that <laughs> as the author of uh, Thief and Law. Yeah, Russian uh, prison tattoos we'll be uh, discussing. I'm, sh- I'm sure people have, have, might have a, a slight knowledge on it, but I can hopefully fill in a few gaps and uh, tell you some stuff that, will, that you'll find uh, quite interesting. Excellent. And yeah, and t- today I am drinking a black beer that I picked from a nearby shop called Running with Spectres, and I definitely didn't just pick it because of the name. <laughs> well, uh, I- I'm drinking a bottle of, uh, I'm not as exotic as you, I'm drinking a bottle of F.S. Pilsner, uh, Turkish lager that I found in the, the corner shop next to my hotel. Um, Excellent. I'm, sh- I'm sure mine's a lot cheaper than yours. Mine was 38 rubles, which is about 50p. Yep, definitely. <laughs> I think this was about uh, £2.70 or something like that. Cool, I-, I could get drunk over here for that much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the dream. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know you can pick up a can of pick up some Carlings for like seventy p each if you get a big pack. Well, I will tell you what, I was in um, I was in Vladivostok, Vladivostok, uh, Vladikavkaz uh, last month, which is a city right in the south uh, in the Caucasus, not far from Chechnya. Fantastic mm-hmm. place, highly, highly recommend it. And uh, I went to a, I went to a bar there with some friends, German style bar. It was 400 rubles, all you can drink, and 400 rubles is about uh, less than a fiver. Wow. So, yeah, all you can drink for five quid. It was brilliant. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, stag, stag do location. Recommend it. Yeah, so I don't think there's any updates at the moment. There's a chance this may be the first episode after the break next week. So I'm taking a week mm. off. Um, okay. Just kind of get back on top of the ep- episode rotor schedule thing oh um, so when, when will it be going out probably two tuesdays from now so oh, okay that's that's perfect i've got a little thing i want to plug at the end about a talk i want to do i'm doing in the uk i'm doing a number of talks all around the country excellent uh, so probably about yeah. probably the 28th oh that's perfect that's like a week before that's perfect for me like that's at least that's the plan i think yes right. <laughs> and on that i think that's everything for the intro mm-hmm. um We'll cut to music and come back with the first part of the episode. Okay. Yeah? Sound yeah, yeah. Sound perfect. Awesome. Yeah. So we'll cut the music and see you guys in a bit. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we are back. So, I think for the first half of the episode, we're going to talk about um, the history of Ru- of Russian prison tattoos, because your book uh, focuses a lot about those, but those, don't they? I mean, the uh, first part. Yeah, the, the book's put into three parts. It, it, uh, first of all, it's the text and the history and the actions and everything about the Russian mafia, how it started, how it evolved, and how it became so powerful. Uh, the next part, mm-hmm. I've got I got an artist to draw me some impressions of the most common tattoos, and it's like an A to Z of criminal tattoos. And in the yeah. final part is the photos of guys I used to meet in the police. Um, a lot of guys. Uh, so the UK now, since the EU expansion, has got a lot of uh, criminals. Yeah, criminals are coming from Eastern Europe to operate in the UK. Uh, mm-hmm. And a lot of them are Russian speaking from the Baltics, Lithuania, Latvia, as well as as well as Russia itself. Um, and all these guys, if they've been in prison within the former Soviet Union, they'll have tattoos. So I used to go and meet those guys, in, uh, do intelligence interviews with them. And I used to photograph their tattoos and I built up quite a big collection. And now I've published those in the book and you'll be able to see them. And they're not, you know, they're not the ones you find on the Internet. These are these are real recent uh, original Russian prison tattoos. Yes. Uh, I did notice that there were some very there were some very good pictures in it. Thank you. Uh, most of them are taken on an old Nokia I used to have when I was in the police. So I'm, I was delighted <laughs> that I managed to get most of them out in print. There's a few a few that were the quality wasn't there, but yeah, I'm I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, because um, it's not stuff you see every day, you know. <laughs> like, no, well, um, once you're familiar with it, I mean, if you live like yourself, if you're in a big city, Birmingham or or London, once you know what to look for, you'll you'll keep your eyes open. And when you're on the, when you're on public transport or something, you'll you'll see these tattooed hands, this greeny blue ink on the hands, and you'll think, I know what that yeah. is. A lot of people in the UK, they sort of they became familiar with the Russian criminal tattoos after seeing Eastern Promises. I don't know if you've seen that actually. I haven't. Um, it's, it's good. It's good. It's um, a mid two thousands British crime film. Uh, it's uh, Vito Morgensen, is that how you say it? Oh, um, Vigo Morrison. There you go. That's it. He's he's in it, and it's, it's a really good film. And I know they had a proper Russian crime consultants on it, so you'll see lots of criminal tattoos in that. Excellent. So, um, I'm definitely have to check out. I love Vigo Morrison um, since Lord of the Rings came out. <laughs> oh, this is much better than Lord of the Rings. But <laughs> um, yeah, it's like, I, I like a lot of his films, like The Road and stuff like that. Yeah, um, yeah, he he is good, but he's he's really good in this. I recommend it. Mm. So uh, yeah, uh, so the history of it, uh, I'll just tell you. So it all started um, when basically in in Tsarist Russia before the revolution, they always had organised crime. They they used to have um, feudalism right up until like mid eighteenth century, eighteen fifty, I think. Um, so the peasants were basically slaves. You know, they served them. And a lot of peasants run off from the land and went to live as outlaws. And back in Tsarist times, if you were caught as an outlaw, um, you could be branded, you know, like they used to do in medieval Europe. That, that was in Russia right until the mid-19th century. Yeah. Um, so this, this is part of where it all started. They, they would brand uh, these runaway serfs, these uh, outlaws on the face, on the hands. 
Yeah, okay. I didn't realize it was um, fr- like it was from branding. It's not. It's uh, not. No one. No one knows is- exactly where it came from. But that's one okay. of the. Yeah, well, that's, that's a possible because no one actually. There's no definitive answer where it come from. Uh, but yeah. tattooing in the Western world and the Northern Hemisphere originally came from uh, the British sailors who went all around the world and they went to, you know, uh, when James Cook went to Australia and Polynesia, there the natives would tattoo themselves and that's where it got picked up by the sailors and they brought it back to the to Great Britain. Okay. Um, yeah, and then and, um, sailor tattoos are very prominent, like in history and um, especially in like the. 19th, 20th century, I'd say. Yeah, Maybe well, 19th. throughout history. Yeah, 19th. Yeah. That, well, that's, that's where it all started. Um, uh, you know, even further back, James Cook is like eight, was 17 something, isn't he? Um, Maybe. I, I'm, not entire, I'm not too familiar with the dates for him. <laughs> and, and, and back in those days, sailors and criminals were quite interchangeable. So you know, these guys, they picked up these tattoos all around the world, brought them back to, to Britain, and from there it spread. And up until, you know, fairly recent history, tattooing was the preserve of criminal, the criminal classes, the underclass, and sailors. Um, there was a, a very short war, I mentioned the book, between Britain and Russia that wasn't actually a proper war. They only ever had some naval battles. Uh, but Britain captured a number of Rus- Russian ships, took them back to Portsmouth and held them there for a year. And then after this, these sailors were released and went back to St. Petersburg. And then we sort of get this mention of tattooing emerging in in uh, sort of Dostoevsky's Russia, in St. Petersburg and in Moscow. So that's yeah. where I think it all, it all comes from. But the, the real criminal tattoo stuff really starts um, sort of in the Stalinist era. So the Bolsheviks, we've got the revolution. They, they seize power. When they're securing their power, they, you know, they start to have these political prisoners. They start to arrest a lot of people. Yes. But they also, they also wipe out organised crime. Any recidivist criminals, as they call it, uh, are locked up and the, the prison camps swell. Now, prisoners, uh, so you had the political prisoners and the, and the criminal classes. You sort of split. Let's say it's 50-50. The criminals started to tattoo themselves uh, to distinguish themselves from the political prisoners and to show their opposition to the Soviet government. So that's where mm-hmm. it sort of emerged naturally. And a lot of them were based on the sailor tattoos. So and that's, sort of, that's the origins of it at the very start. Yeah, it's like um, I, and you see quite a lot of tattoos, um, like throughout the throughout the history of uh, cri- of criminals in Russia from like what was it nineteen twenty ish? I'd say. Yeah, yeah, that's that's sort of when it starts. So yeah, sort of Lenin, um, Lenin, especially uh, like face tattoos, you see a lot of. Um, I've noticed. You, you see all sorts. Um, yeah, I mean. Uh, you know, that's when it, the origins of it, and they're, they're quite basic then, but they're sort of the real r- Russian criminal tattoos, if, if you're familiar with them, they're like a secret language, and they can, they, what what I believe, and what Russian, the Russian police officers taught me, um, I'll, say, I'll talk about that later, how, how I got to know so much about it. Oh, excellent. It's, it's like a criminal CV, and uh, mm. in Russia, when, I, oh, I'll tell you now, I, I was, so in 2010, uh, I got to come to Russia for a month and work with the police here, um, you know, I could speak. I should say I could speak Russian. I learned it when I was a youngster, so I could speak Russian fairly well. Got to work as a British copper in Russia, and uh, everyone the guys were meeting was tattooed, and they they started teaching me about this language of tattoos and how everyone you arrest here, you need to read it, and you can tell what town they're from, what crimes they've committed, their their level in the criminal world, and it, it's it became it's a CV. Oh, wow, yeah. yeah. So, and that originates from the Stalinist era. So, uh, Second World War starts. Germany invade, Russia are on the back foot. Uh, you know, they're losing and losing. The Germans are taking more and more ground. 
Mm-hmm. And um, Stalin issues an order saying uh, men can volunteer from the gulags uh, to go and fight in the Red Army in penal battalions. Uh, yes, I think that's one of the more interesting parts that I've, I've read about um, Russian history. Um, yeah, it is. Just, it's the rise of the thieves, isn't it? That's right. Well, yeah, and you mentioned uh, one of your previous episodes about the, the an uprising in the gulag, and that's all linked. Mm-hmm. It all goes back to the Second World War because the type of men who were in the jails. So it's it's you know it's really interesting when you get down to it. Yes, yeah, because uh, the Thebes uh, they kind of uh, really put a doctrine into place. Kind of, I guess the word is, I guess doctrine is what I'm looking for. Um, yeah, that's that's a good way. Well, they they call it the translation is the the understandings, and it's sort of their yes. ten commandments. Yes, because I was that, because I wanted to bring that up as well. The um, the uh, like you said the understandings because there's a mm. lot of there's quite specific rules. Um, mm. So, so like, what happened? Go on, yeah, go on, go on. I was like, um, we can go over them in a bit if you want. Because they're quite, in- it's quite interesting just how specific they are. Yeah, I mean, what? So, what happened was, so Stalin issues this. Uh, well, actually, sort of. So, uh, as the Stalin's locking everyone up, this opposition to the to Soviet power is growing in the gulags, and it's sort of the only place you can be openly defiant to the to mm. the government. It's the only place. Anywhere else, you're going to end up in the gulag. So the prisoners started to tattoo themselves with these sarcastic tattoos, these anti-Soviet tattoos, and they adopted an anti-Soviet culture. Uh, a lot of that, they, 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 took, they took a lot of Russian Orthodox symbols the, of the church, who were one of the main oppositions to the Bolsheviks. Uh, and, then, and then they also, yeah, they devised this sort of uh, way of life that you have to go by. And part of that was, you know, you must never cooperate with the government. Uh, uh, well, we'll discuss that in the understandings, but they, yeah. they, they formed this criminal subculture in the gulags, and tattooing was a real integral part of that. Yes, um, and like, how did they tattoo originally? Um, I did read about it earlier, but I've, uh, it's kind of slipped my mind, because well, well, I remember it being quite interesting how they started doing it. Well, uh, I can tell you how, uh, while I'm in Russia now, I'm doing the, I'm interviewing a lot of guys. I, I'm trying to find guys for my next book and I'm interviewing guys who've been inside, who've spent a long time in. And uh, I always ask them, you know, how do you do your tattoos in there? And it's, it's, it's quite basic. It's, you know, you can either do it with just a pin and, uh, you know, don't, but what they, what they generally do is find a sort of motor, the sort, uh, like a cassette player or, mm-hmm. or a razor, you know, that sort of anything with a, a oh, very yeah, basic. Uh, I saw the picture of the modified razor. With a uh, need, with like a needle attached to it. Yeah, they just create a very very crude uh, tattooing machine uh, using piano wire or guitar wire and a, and a basic needle. But uh, the, the ink is the interesting thing. How they make the ink? They they burn the undersole of their boots, which is, which is made of rubber. Uh, mm-hmm. They mix it with their own urine, and then they filter it through a sheet. And that's that's okay. the ink that they use. Um, they, if they get any ma- hold of make- makeup, this guy told me is a good thing to use. If they, if they can get hold of any. They'll add that mm-hmm. to it. Um, it has to be your own urine. If it's not your own, that that means uh, that means you're gay. You have to use your own urine, um, and it, obviously it's quite um, un- unhygienic. And uh, I'd imagine they get quite a few infections. But that's how they do it. And and I think that goes right back to the original days. You know, obviously without the motor. Yeah. So there's a lot of uh, stuff with, especially like in the what's called Russian with Russian criminals, where where homosexuality was not allowed at all. Um, no, it's it's still not today. Uh, I mean, that's that that doesn't just go for Russian organized crime. I mean, oh, of course, uh, any, for a lot of them. Yeah, I mean, organized crime all around the world. Homosexuality is is 
uh, is excluded. One of the things about the Russian organised crime, the women are also completely excluded from it. Um, hmm. And, and I, do a, I used to do, a, I wrote a training package for the police that I used to, I went all around the country and used to shout Scotland Yard. And uh, I even went to America and showed it there to Germany, to the Czech Republic. And uh, people would always ask me, can women be part of the Russian organised crime? The answer is no, they can't. They're completely excluded. However, in women's prisons in Russia, they still tattoo themselves heavily with special prison tattoos. Uh, but they're slightly <laughs> different from the male ones. But, but you can still spot them. There's the same greeny, bluey colour. They're very crude. Um, and I, I mentioned them in the book as well. There's, there's lots of things. You can read the woman's criminal history from her, from her tattoos also. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't gotten that far in yet. So, um, that's quite interesting actually. Yeah. That's at the back. Um, I, I, uh, in the, in the presentation I do, um, as I say, people always used to ask me about that. So I did a few slides about the female tattoos and I put a, uh, a picture of a very young sort of 20 year old girl from prison with her tattoos and then a, an 80 year old woman with her tattoos and I used to say this is a before and after of uh, 18 months in a Russian jail you know because it's yeah. so harsh <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah it's like you do hear a lot of stuff about pe- people's time inside Russian prisons especially like historically I don't know what it's like now I'm not too familiar um, uh- I think, I mean, uh, from the guys I've interviewed in the nineties, it was, it was pretty bad. It was really horrific. That's when Russia really had its massive crime problems was in the 1990s. And, okay. um, the main jail in St. Petersburg, the, the Kresti, which is a detention center, uh, it holds, I think it's 4,000 men, which is 10 times, to- which well, no, I think it, it, at its peak, it held 4,000 men, which is 10 times its capacity. Um, wow. and, and back then it was really bad. There was a TB epidemic and, um, you know, I, I've even heard of, I've, I've, done, I've never seen any proof, but I've heard of instances of cannibalism in the nineties. Uh, yeah. it's a lot, it's a lot better now. And actually in St. Petersburg, they're building Europe's biggest jail outside the city. And it's much more modern than this. Christie's, uh, it's due to be shut down any, any day now, I think. But uh, okay. from speaking, to, speaking to the guys I've been interviewing, they say now prisons, you know, it's not, it's not as bad as people think. I think that goes for everywhere in the world. It's, it's not as bad as people think. And, um, there's a good documentary by Alex Lambert uh, called The Mark of Cain. It's on YouTube. It's from 2000, so it catches the end of the it. 90s. Yeah, watch that. That's a good. It's 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 say so it's the end of the 90s, so it still catches the harshness of it. But that's that's the best Russian prison documentary, I'd say. Okay. Yeah, because I've heard of it. I've not actually seen it though. Um, yeah, look, it's it's on YouTube with subtitles. It's good. Yeah, I do, I do like uh, prison documentaries. To be fair. <laughs> and this one it's not um, sensationalist as well because some, sometimes you yes. watch them and they're obviously you know they're, they're flowering it up but this is just this is just prisoners speaking uh, there's no yeah. there's no there's no Ross Kemp voiceover or anything <laughs> of course yeah um, yeah because the ones I've been watching at the moment were, were um, based more about more, more South America where, um, locations oh they look horrific don't they I, I, yeah I've seen a few of them and you think oh you know the, the Brazilian jails and core yeah it's like you but you can't there's like you can never tell exactly how much has been like elaborated on or how much is real with it but mm-hmm. you know a fair uh, bit of it is because it's just straight up footage oh yeah have you seen the the film Karandiru about the brazilian jail and the uprising in there um no i haven't i'm, I'm giving you loads of recommendations of things you need to watch Karandiru, <laughs> <laughs> uh, another one about yeah brazilian really good so yeah, let's go back to Stalin. So say Stalin, this counterculture emerged. Stalin issues this order, Second World War. Um, you can leave the gulag and your sentence won't be, won't be commuted, but you can have three years cut off your sentence. 
and loads of guys volunteered. I think it's about 900,000, about half the population of the gulags volunteered to go and fight in the Red Army in the punishment battalions. They go off to the war. The guys who stayed saw it as a great betrayal and that they, they'd broken the understandings and that they were wanting revenge. And to show that they hadn't, they, they stayed, they started to tattoo themselves much more heavily and with this secret language where each tattoo meant something that wasn't obvious, you know, that you, you had to know the code. They had to be in certain places. If you got it in the wrong place, it showed you were a faker. And, yeah. and that's where it really got its life from. And then after the Second World War, uh, Russia, you know, the Soviet Union was in tatters, huge crime epidemic after the Second World War. Uh, and a lot of these guys who'd originally volunteered to fight end up back in jail. And this thing called the Bitch War started where the, the prisoners who'd stayed and the, the sort of pure Russian criminals, as they call themselves, the Vori, this is when they start to call themselves the thieves, the Vor. Um, yeah. They took they wanted revenge on these guys who betrayed them, and they called them the bitches, the Suki. And this thing called the Bitch War started between the Vori and the... And the, and the some call them the bitches, some call them the army uh, contingent and things like that. And it, and it got so bad that the Russians had to split the jails into, a bit like in America now, where they have the you know prisoners are segregated by race and by gang affiliation, that went on in, in the Soviet Union from the end of the Second World War right up until the 1970s. And that's okay. when the tattoos really took off, you know, to show that you weren't a, you didn't go and fight. And, and, and that, yeah, that the whole language explodes then. Yeah. Like, um, like while I remember it, um, one part I wanted to talk about was the uh, punishment tattoos. Because mm. so that was, because I was reading that, and it, that's kind of horrendous, honestly. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so in, in Russian jails, they've got a thing called, they've got, a, they have a caste system. It's quite, it's very complex actually, but at the bottom, are the, um, the outcasts, the downcasts, that's the word, they're called downcasts mm-hmm. or betuk cocks. Um, yeah. As in, as in cockerel, but, but as in, the, in Russian, it's the same. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> the downcasts and they are like sex offenders uh, rapists, well, rapists of children, not straight up rapists, but yeah, paedophiles, sex offenders, um, gr- ex cops, ex prison officers, uh, overt homosexuals, um, grasses, and any and anyone who's broken the understandings. So these these are downcasts, um, and in a cell, if you're the downcast in the cell, they get downcast tattoos, which are ring tattoos, or and they're things with hearts with the number six, because traditionally there were six in a cell. So you were the bottom rung and you were number six and you, know, you had to sleep and downcasts have to sleep on the floor. No one will take any cutlery or anything a downcast has touched. You can't touch otherwise. Um, they can't be touched by other prisoners and they're sort of, you know, they're treated horrendously. Um, it's, it's much, it's, it's better now and it's different now than it was back, you know, in its, in, in its worst days back in the fifties, it was, it was really awful, but yeah, they have this system of punishment tattoos. So not just to show that you're a downcast, but people who've committed crimes in prison or, or done something to massively offend bosses will have these punishment tattoos. They're um, uh, like a pig's fa- a pig's face, or uh, there's one of a police officer in a wolf's uniform. There's a, a Russian mm-hmm. cartoon character of a wolf, and that in a police uniform would be like a punishment tattoo to show that you're, uh, you know, a, a grass or a, a stukach, a snitch. Um, yeah. As as well as uh, yeah, lots of lots of um, tattoos to show that you're a homosexual. Things like that. Now, now I mentioned it in the book. So I've never seen this, but I've heard about it. The worst punishment tattoo I've heard of is, is from a woman's jail of a woman who killed her own kids, and she had an erect penis tattooed on her face going into her mouth. Now, I've not seen that. I've just heard about it. But yeah. they, they, they exist in the women's jails as well, and um, 
And in a woman's jail, the, the lowest rung of life is a woman who's killed her own children. Okay. I think that goes for that. I think that goes for the whole world, actually. It's probably up there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know it's the same in the UK. A woman who's done that is, yeah. is bottom of the female jail. Okay. Yeah, so that's sort of the, yeah, the punishment. In the, in the book, the, um, you'll see some of the punishment tattoos. Rings, um, things like that. So I've, I've actually got a tattoo of a heart on my arm, and I have to cover that up when I go to Russia because I don't want anyone to think I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm a downcast. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I do have a few tattoos, but um, I don't think they're – I think they're a bit more modernistic, I guess. What have you got, actually? Uh, Tell like, me, and I'll see, I'll see if I can translate them. <laughs> well, they don't have anything written on them. It's like one of them's uh, – like two of them are just pop culture things, and one's oh, like very octopusy. Like one's just the puzzle cube from Hellraiser. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't uh, think that means anything in the Russian language. But okay. exactly. um, yeah. <laughs> uh, the other two are uh, like one's Cthulhu straight up. But, um, the other one is uh, like a skull with tentacles coming out of it. Oh well, you see, a skull in Russian uh, Russian cr- criminal tattoo language means you've killed someone. So oh, okay. And depending on the part of the body you've got that on, that would show how high ranking the, the murder you committed was. It's in her arm, uh, it's like it's like a skull within a skull, I guess. <laughs> no, so you might you might kill two people. Yeah. yeah. So you know, if you if you were on a beach in Russia, people might give you a wide berth if they saw that. Okay. Um, doesn't have the distinctive colouring, but. <laughs> ah, well, you know. So, but yeah, I, I think people. Red. Well, yeah, pe- pe- well, greeny blue is the sort of colour, but um, I, I'm, I'm, people here know when it's a prison tattoo and when it's not. But um, yeah, yeah skull, skulls mean you've you've killed someone. Um, and uh, when I've encountered, see, when I was back in the UK, when I was a police officer, when these guys would, whenever a Russian speaker was in jail, I'd go and meet them and look at their tattoos, and they'd quite happily tell me all about them, what they meant, and you know, I'd go out for a cigarette with them and uh, we'd discuss it. And, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, skulls. Yeah, I mean, I've seen that plenty of times. Guys with skulls on them, and knives, and uh, the Grim Reaper, and all things like that. And yeah, all, all yeah. represents death. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. So, did you want to go over the understandings a bit? Um, yeah. So, and then we can go into the second half and talk about the tattoos themselves a bit more. Because I yeah, think that's so, the main part we want to talk about. Yeah. Well, the understandings, as I said, it's the sort of uh, the Ten Commandments that these these Russian guys. Uh, they they used to they used to stick to it rigidly and to break it was was a serious offence but um, it's more of a sort of guidelines now and it's not strictly enforced like it used to be yeah. and they're obviously a lot more flexible but so a, a vor a thief as they call themselves uh, and this is one of the things I used to say to the cops in England when I was teaching them that they, a vor shows no emotions and quite often when you'd meet these Russian criminals they'd be they'd be very nonchalant with you they wouldn't be angry they you know when you arrest these uh, Sorry, I hate to use the word, but sort of chavvy guys in the UK. Yeah. You know, they'd be swearing and shouting and threatening you, and you know, you knew it was nonsense. Yeah. But these guys, they just show no emotion. They're quiet. They're never happy. They're never sad. And that's a big thing for the vor. Um, yeah. Always be calm. No emotions. So the vor are your family. You you forsake all your relatives. You never have a job and never have a, a traditional what we'd call a job. You know, uh, and, and certainly nothing in this sort of service industry. You never serve anyone. So no jobs, no work, no marriage, no children. A big yeah. thing. That they, uh, I mean, this this you don't own property. They do own property, but you obviously put it in your wife's name. This this is criminal sense anywhere in the world. You put it in your wife's name, your aunt's name. You know, you never have anything in your own name. Uh, yeah. You you help other thieves. You 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 follow. If you're instructed by a senior guy to do something, you do it without question. You keep secrets. 
you never grasp, obviously, that's, that mm-hmm. goes around. But, um, you follow instructions, as I said, given from above. Um, you speak Fenya, which is a sort of, which is the Russian slang, yes. um, criminal slang. Yeah, the way... The way I used to say that to cops in the UK was a bit like travellers can speak in a a language that is supposed to be English, but we can't understand. And Fenya yeah. is is a sort of Russian criminal slang that is, is you have to speak. You know, it's, I, I certainly as a, as a foreign person speaking Russian couldn't understand. Yeah. Um, don't gamble without being able to cover your losses. Don't get, lose your self control when drunk. Uh, say don't uh, work do it have anything to do with the authorities but the most important one and this is the one that uh, cops in Russia exploit and I was teaching cops in the UK to exploit was you never deny your war status yes. so what the police in Russia do when they arrest one of these guys they say uh, are you a war and they film they put him they put him on camera and say are you a thief are you you know an organized criminal the guy can say yes he will say yes I am or he can deny it and risk serious repercussions from his group. So yeah. they'll put him on camera and say, are you a vor? Yes. Uh, are you part of the vor of Zakonia, the, the, the Russian mafia, the thieves-in-law? Yes, I am. And, and for a Russian cop, you know, that is fantastic evidence to put before you know, a court. Um, yeah. And I, I would teach the guys in the UK, you know, when you meet these guys, ask them, are you a vor? And all Russian, all English cops I used to train knew this word vor. Um, and if they say, yes, they are, you know, that gives you grounds to at least search them or to inquire a bit, a bit further. Um, yeah. When I was, I was teaching the um, special branch and, and uh, customs and excise and people in Britain don't know this, but all ports and airports have special branch officers working in them, uh, you know, passport control, behind passport control. And they'll interview people. And if you get, you know, a Russian, uh, well, they told me a Russian guy come up to them, tattooed fingers and they said to this guy, are you a vor? And the guy looks shocked at them. You know, how do these English police know this? Uh, inquired about the guy. And, you know, he was a professional criminal. He was living in Holland. He was, you know, you know on the Interpol lists of uh, guys, you know, to be looked into. And that, and they denied him entry into the UK on the grounds of that. So okay. it's, it's, it's a powerful tool for police. And the Russian police have really perfected it. And it's it's one of the big weaknesses of the Vor of Zakonia. They, they can't deny that they're part of it. Yeah. That's quite, um, that's quite different for uh, criminal organisations, isn't it? It is. It is. I mean, uh, people ask me, you know, why do they do it? And, uh, you know, that's a, a, so probably no one's ever got to the bottom of why. But yeah. it's, yeah, it's, it's the one thing that differentiates them from, the, say, the Sicilians or, you know, other organised crime against that they don't deny that they're part of it. Yeah. I guess it's like a very strong code of honour or, some, or um, something along those lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could say that. So, if, so if anyone's pulling words out of my head, so <laughs> no, 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 no. I think that's I think that's true. I mean, Russian organised crime is very is very dominated by uh, the Kavkaz, the Caucasus area, and Georgian mm-hmm. Georgian nationals make up a big part of that. Now, they and in Georgia, in the Caucasus, they have a very strong code of honour. That's it's um, like a clan mentality, and it's the country is sort of still divided up into clans. And you've got that in southern Russia. People, your surname sort of denotes what clan you're in. So yeah. they do have that sort of Asian honor clan thing, and that's that is in part of Russian culture. Russia, you know, Russia is is if you're interested in Russia, it's a very um, you know it's, it's a quite a hard place to understand. It's not European, it's not Asian, it's its own thing, and it takes influences yeah. from all over. Yeah, of course, um, and they've had a lot of interactions with like Europeans and like the and Asians as well. Um, because they're basically right next right next to each other. 
Well, um, and they run, they run the Mongol history. history. They've had a lot of um, interaction, with the, especially like Asian countries and stuff, like Mongols, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. for three three hundred years, they run the control of the Mongols, and um, yeah, you know, most of Russia is in Asia. So, mm. and you know, so that, that so that's a big yeah big code of honor thing. So maybe you're right. Maybe you know you might you might be onto something there. Maybe, <laughs> um, like. It, it, I couldn't see there being any way of there not being any cross influence there, at least. <laughs> mm. I mean, it is. It is. Uh, you know, people interested in Russia will tell you it's you know it's full of contradictions, and uh, but it is a fascinating place. And I know in the in the West now, and so, you know, those of us who use social media a lot, you you read some you know some right rubbish spoken about Russia, especially from the United States. Some of the things they say, and it's it's a load of crap. And um, anyone who came here for the World Cup, I was I, I fortunately part of my job. I managed to work. I was working at the World Cup. Um, spent the whole time here, worked at eight games. And the place was, you know, they couldn't have been more welcoming. They couldn't have been nicer. All the things you hear about racism and uh, homophobia, it's not true. It really isn't true. Um, St. Petersburg, where I was working, has got two huge gay nightclubs right in the centre of town. If you don't believe me, just Google Central Station uh, is is the main one. Um, You look on Russian TV, all the main celebrities are gay. Uh, You know, it's it's a, it's a huge myth, the stuff that the West say about the place. Um, and that's just like, you know, it, but, and it is a fascinating place. And if, you, if you're interested in it, go and visit. And uh, I know now from the UK, there's a Russia's version of Ryanair flying here from Stansted for, you can get a 39, 39 pounds uh, one way. Wow. And Pobeda, Pobeda Airlines, little plug for them. <laughs> Maybe they'll give me a free ticket. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Yeah. Uh, I, I was working, there was a, um, uh, I was, uh, in, I'm in quite close uh, friendship with the British Embassy here, and um, an Asian girl works there. I mean, her are quite good friends, and she's never had any problems here. And her brother and his best mate came over, and they loved it. And it, you know, they said, "I can't believe it." I was, I was so worried about coming here before the World Cup. Everything the BBC was saying, and mm. they, I can't, I can't believe it. It's fine. I said, yeah, that's it. No. Surprise! You don't, you don't know somewhere until you go there. Yeah, because I'd, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't. I wouldn't be worried. <laughs> but honestly, uh, you'd have nothing to worry about. Yeah. Nothing to worry about. Um, do you know, there's a line in The Simpsons. They say, don't judge someone you've never been. That, that's what they yeah. do in Russia. Yeah. So, <laughs> now, come and visit. Yeah. Well, to be fair, part, like, a large part of my worry is that it's going to be really cold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't do well don't now. <laughs> yeah. Don't come in January um, when it's minus yeah. 20. That is horrible. But, but yeah, come in the summer. It is, it's great. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was just saying, just avoid people with greeny, bluey tattoos. They're the ones you want to be a bit worried about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think on that, we can cut to music and then go, come back in part two, and we'll talk more about the tattoos themselves. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, cool. We'll be right back, guys. And we are back. So, um, for the second half, we're going to talk more about the tattoos themselves. So, I think the, I think we'll, the best way to start is, um, oh, do you think there's any, are there any like, particularly interesting tattoos that you've seen and oh, that I, yourself? Actually, there are, there are, <laughs> there are loads I mean, of, I mean, they're I mean, all interesting, I, I think. I know I say that, but any, any that, you partic- that you in particular find um, um, a bit more than... Like a bit more interesting than not the rest of them. If that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I tell you, I tell you the ones. I'll give you two examples. So uh, these are the ones you see. I'll give you three examples. These are the ones you see all the time on Russian criminals. 
um, and that I think are very interesting. So uh, I say whenever uh, a guy would get nicked and he was a Russian speaker, I'd go and interview him in the jail all, all around Hertfordshire, North London, and have a look at the tattoos. Now, the one you always come across is a church, sort of Russian church with the spires, mm-hmm. normally on the chest, sometimes on the back. And what that means, each spire represents a term of imprisonment. So sometimes it shows you, uh, in, in general, it'll show you the terms. Sometimes it, it represents the years, but generally it's the terms. So you can count that guy's been locked up, you know, one, two, three, four times. Um, if, yeah. it's got a cro- if it's got a cross on top of the spire, that shows he did the full term. So if he was sentenced to five years, he did five years. So okay. I always found, yeah, I always found that one quite interesting. Um, I'll tell you what as well. So I used to, when I did my police training package, um, one of the cops there found it very interesting himself and went out and got himself a big church, Russian church tattooed on his chest and was quite proud to tell me about that. And I was, you know, I was <laughs> yeah. a bit shocked by that. <laughs> that is quite um, different, I guess the word is. Yeah, I mean, it looks cool, but yeah. I say that that is the one of the archetypal Russian prison tattoos. So, yeah. Uh, so the Russian church is a big one. Um, another one you, you – uh, another sort of stuff you always get on Russian criminals is – uh, German tattoo, sort of Nazi, fascist, or German writing. Mm. That comes up all the time. Uh, now, it doesn't mean that they're actual Nazis or fascists, but what it is, you see, in, in Russia, you know, nowhere suffered more than, than Russia under the, in the Second World War. So mm. there's nothing more offensive to a Russian than a swastika than anything glorifying Hitler. So the, part of the Vord, to show that they're, they're against society, as well as having the church stuff, it is the Nazi stuff. And You'd always get a swastika on these guys, um, an iron cross. Uh, very common is a phrase they get is Gott mit uns, which is, a, which is German for God is with us. So yes, it, it, I'm familiar. Yeah, and that, that, so that covers not only religious stuff, that covers uh, German stuff. And it's what the German soldiers used to have on their belt buckles. So you'd all, you, know, you, you always get this German, anything fascist, Nazi, and, and German writing is very, very common. Yeah. Um, but as I say, it doesn't mean that they're actually a Nazi. It means more of a sort of fuck you to the to Russian society, uh, yeah. just to be offensive. Um, and a third one I'll tell you about is is the top top of the tree one is the symbol of a Russian mafia boss, and that okay. is stars. That's the stars that you get on the shoulders, just to, just below the shoulder blades on the chest. Okay, um, sort of a, a very very senior, like a captain in the in the mafia in the Sopranos would have an eight point star on his chest. Yeah. If he progresses to be an actual boss, like a Don, that eight-point star will get turned into a 16-point star. And that, that is okay. the elite of not only Russian organized crime, the world's organized crime. So yeah. um, me personally, I've, I've come across a few eight-point stars in my time uh, in the police. And you know, now I'm looking for people here to interview. Never come across a 16-point star. As far as I know, there are only sort of two to 300 men in the world who legitimately have the 16-point stars um, yeah. but yeah they're the sort of they're the big ones you get okay uh, and I assume you wouldn't get much luck talking to those guys <laughs> well I mean just by looking at them you know sorry actually go on that's no, fine I, I was just saying what you, what you might do I, I, don't, I don't actually know <laughs> uh, well I, I mean in my experience in the UK when, when I'd meet these guys in jail um, like now the UK UK jail as cops any cops listening will know you spend an awful lot of uh, a copper will spend an awful lot of his time dealing with drunk Eastern Europeans. It's it's one of the big time consumers. Yeah, uh, alcohol is a big problem within the Polish Lithuanian communities, and um, any night in custody, twenty thirty percent of the cells will be 
drunk and disorderly Poles and Lithuanians. So yeah. these guys come in and they, you know, uh, they're used to English cops thinking that they're like these guys. So they are, this is my, only my opinion. I might be wrong. So I think they were very keen to talk to me and to show me who they were, differentiate themselves from the, the, the standard, you know, bum in the cell, pissed out of his head. Okay. Um, so that I, I uh, from all the Intel interviews I did, and, you know, I must have done 40 or 50, um, only one guy ever refused to speak to me. Just said, no, well, one okay. refused to speak to me and only one other refused to let me photograph him. And that was because yeah. he, his tattoos weren't real. He had fake he was only a young kid and he had all these super high tattoos and they were obviously not real. So yeah. these guys, I never had a problem talking to these guys. I, I think it was a way for them to earn respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, cops know if you're doing an Intel interview, you, you have to, you know, it's give and take. So you, you know, you buy him a coffee, you have a cigarette, you go outside out of the jail, which, you know, these custody units stink because the people yeah. are in them. They absolutely stink. So when you go outside for a walk, it's, it's a, it's a big relief. Um, you know, if need be, you can go, go down the road and get them a McDonald's. So yeah. it's very, it's not difficult to get information from people. And, and I say these guys are very keen to show me their tattoos, to tell me what they meant. Um, and, you know, and I, I get it all down and, uh, yeah, so I never had a problem, never had a problem speaking to the guys. And once, once you know, once someone's telling you, you know, I'm a prolific burglar, I, I did 12 years in jail in, in Vilnius. I, I was locked up for 10 years in Moscow. Then yeah. you think, God, you know, this guy needs to be checked out further. And that's when you start sending, um, checks to Interpol, checks back to their home country, to Europol, to, to find out who's living in your area. And um, and the tattoos are a great way to do that. If you've got someone who's got a tattoo on them that shows that they've killed someone and they're living in your town in the UK, because the, you know, there's no checks coming into the UK. Anyone can come in from the U- EU. There's not even, they can have, they can have 10 convictions. They can be a serial killer. If they've done their time in their home country, they're, they're free to come in. So, yeah. um, you know, no one's checking them. So once, you know, we use this, well, a good example, one guy, uh, who was living? He was living rough in um, in Chesham in Hertfordshire. Living rough, uh, you know, had a very basic criminal record in the UK: shopliftings, a bit of domestic, bit of drunken disorderly, nothing serious. He killed two people, uh, you know, okay. and he's living rough in a, in a town. The guy's killed two people, and we, you know, if 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 that guy was local, we knew he'd killed two people. He'd be being monitored, but because he's come yeah. from Eastern Europe, we don't know anything about the guy. You know, it's it's a it's a great intel source for police. Yeah, like yeah, I think there were a couple. There were a few that I, I found quite interesting as well when I was going through it. Mm, like cool. um, there was the uh, chicken. No, not like the chicken. I know is like a uh, tattoo of a downcast normally, like according to your yeah, book. Took, yeah, um, but it's when it has the crown on it, and it says like it means it's a leader of the of the group. And I I didn't realize that was a uh, thing before. Yeah, so that so um. You say a chicken, like Americans would say a cockerel because I live there. I yeah. say cock, but <laughs> the Russian phrase is a pituk. It is, a, yeah, male chicken. A cockerel is the sign of a downcast. But within, I say, there's a huge, there's a huge hierarchy within the Russian jail. Of it's, it's really complicated, so I won't go into too much. Yeah. But even the downcasts have their own hierarchy. So uh, a senior, the, the head of the downcast, who might be permitted to speak to the other guys, will have a crown on it, and he's called a papa. Yeah. Uh, now, part, also, if you if you are gay. Uh, and you're in Russian jail. You know, a lot of, uh, we'll say a lot, some gay prisoners will volu- voluntarily become a downcast because it means that they can, uh, you know, effectively prostitute themselves in jail. Um, yeah. And there's no shame in it for them to be to be a downcast. So that, you know, that might be, you might have that to, to a, a papa. Okay. Interesting. So, yeah, that is an interesting one. So I've never, never seen that in real life. I mean, a lot of downcast tattoos, if a guy comes out, he'll get them covered up. 
You know, yeah. he won't he won't want that you know, for the rest of his life. And a lot of the ring tattoos are very important. And they're one of the the first things people get tattooed. And there is a downcast ring tattoo with like hearts and sixes. There's a few. And that, that will immediately be covered up as soon as the guy comes out of jail. Yeah. Like I thought, um, other ones I found interesting, like the Eagle. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, because like, I'm just going by your book uh, here. So you, you know exactly what's coming. <laughs> no, cool. And it's nice, to hear, it's yeah. nice for me to have a, I can swig my beer while you're talking. Exactly, yeah. Where um, the Eagle with its claws uh, on display, like, show that the guy uh, is a predatory criminal. Um, mm. And it's, or it's quite violent, I get, if I'm understanding it right. Or, yeah, um, that's right. No, sorry, I've lost it. No, <laughs> no sorry, well, see, an eagle is quite a big thing over here. You've got, it's, yeah. it's the Russian emblem, an eagle. So it's, yeah. it's, on one hand, it's a symbol of Russian nationalism. On the other hand, like in the Caucasus, the eagle is, um, is, is a symbol of um, Anzi Makalachka, I can't even say, the local football team down there. Yeah, their nickname's the eagle. And an eagle is a very Caucasian symbol of power and uh, yeah. sort of, it represents a high-ranking criminal, but yeah, if his claws are showing, it's talons. That's someone who's a predator who will prey on weak, or prey on the weak. So, mm. but it's, that's a high-ranking tattoo that would show someone yeah. is quite senior. Right, I know the other one was the uh, like there were, there were multiple types of eagle tattoos. Uh, it was the mm. Romanov one with the uh, crop with um, what's called the Orthodox cross in it. Yeah, yeah, that's um, so that's. Oops. Sort of nationalism and uh, actually, I'll tell you a funny story. Uh, it's, oh, it's a few years ago now, ten or fifteen years ago. Some clothing line in the UK. I want to say like a high street general cloak, but I won't in case I say the wrong one. They yeah. printed a T-shirt with almost the same symbol as that on it, with uh, the phrase "Russia will cleanse Russia will cleanse Russia. Uh, we will cleanse Russia of all non-Slavs." And they print in Russian, really? so they, pr- they printed it. Yeah, and uh, obviously Russian people saw it. Oh my god! So that is that. Wow. You can see that in the book. That's a Russian criminal tattoo that they obviously didn't get checked out. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Because <laughs> I was looking, because I, I was looking at, it, I was like, uh, "What's good?" It says uh, the cross shows that he that the wearer takes revenge for being betrayed. Mm, yeah, you get, you get that on the grave, like you get a cross on the grave, and a, I mean, they're very. There's lots of intricacies on them, but yeah, um, like let's say there's a, a a grim reaper lying next to a grave. And there's a cross yeah. on it, an Orthodox cross. That shows a murder has been committed, but it's a murder in in revenge, you know. Yeah. Um, so there's a good. I tell you, from that film, the Alex Lambert film, there's a great guy they interview, a huge Georgian guy, big big moustache, and he's quite a muscular guy, and uh, he's got some great tattoos. And he tells a story how um, I think they did something to his mother. These guys, this gang. So he murdered the three of them and cut their heads off and put them on spikes. Um, as a revenge you know? and he's been interviewed in this film just talking about it quite casually and I think he gives a little wow. chuckle about it so that's, that's <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah right I'm assuming it wasn't like a nervous chuckle like I just <laughs> no no it's not like the sort of thing me or you would do this, yeah, this guy's like, I don't uh, think he's nervous about anything <laughs> I know it's, uh, that's very interesting um, yeah a, I say like you can you can read the ta- you can look at the tattoos once you know about them and the cop there's two cops I'm in contact with well, I used to be when I was in the police in Moscow and their job is to just uh, you know the, any cop in Russia when they arrest someone they photograph them uh, and catalogue the tattoos and they send it to the intel unit in Moscow and these guys decipher them and build up a database and it's yeah. you know it's so important you can you can say that you know this guy maybe they're not true but generally they are you know the youngsters it's they, they've obviously taken too far and a lot of the young ones aren't true but you can read the criminal's body and know what he's done where he's done it where he served time and that's such a useful yeah. tool 
Um, so, you know, it's, it's important to know about it if, if you're in law enforcement or or a criminology student or, you know, you're just interested in crime. It's, it's, it, I mean, you know, in the UK, we've got we don't have the same level of prison tattooing. Um, yeah. But you, you get the dots on the hand, the teardrop people know about um, uh, the swallows. You know, they're sort of very, very basic ones in the, in the UK prison culture. But yeah, you know, Russia's take it to a different level. Yeah, I'm not too familiar with um, tattoos out like prison tattoos in other countries so much. Mm. Like, like you said, I, I know the teardrops and the uh, swallows. That's about it. <laughs> that's about yeah. my knowledge of prison tattoos. Beforehand. I mean, it's not. It's not very. It's not very interesting the UK prison tattoo. But see the dots. You know, prisoners in the UK get three dots on their hand, like near their thumb. Uh, Russians okay. have the same, but they have five dots. Uh, what that is is the is the prisoner in the middle of the four watchtowers. So that's a real yeah. sort of that's a sort of oh. start. Yeah, you see, so that's a sort of starter tattoo. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, five the five dots. So I remember who's saying yeah. guys in the UK, why have you got three dots? And they go, it shows I've been in prison. I said, yeah, but why three? And they go, well, I don't know. But five is yeah, you in the middle of the four watchtowers. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's quite interesting. Um, and, and, and dots, a Russian. I don't think they do this anymore. They might do. Uh, big dots on the hand shows escape attempts. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can I can see that one being. Uh, yeah, I can see um how these are so useful to the uh, law enforcement now. Because you, you really because when you the more you read about it, like the, the more you kind of realize like it really does like hammer in just how much of a language it is. Oh yeah, I mean now I'm yeah. I'm in so I'm in Russia. I've got another couple of weeks here. And I, you know, I, I'm not one, I'm, whenever I'm traveling, I'm on public transport, I'm not one of these guys on his phone looking, I'm trying to look around, looking at people's hands, trying to read prison tattoos. Every day yeah. I spot one or two, you know, when I'm in Moscow or St. Petersburg or, you know, there's lots of, I'm all, when I'm on the metro, I'm looking at everyone's hands holding onto the bars and uh, when I'm in the parks, you know, and uh, you, you can scan and read so much like a spider's web. Very common one is a spider. Now, don't ask me why they show this, but if, you, if they've got a spider's web, it shows that they're a drug addict or a drug user. Yeah. You know, why they want to show that, I don't know. And they, they, you know, our guys used to get the spider's webs on their elbows and things, but the Russian guys get it on their hands and, um, and on their arms. And the, in the direction of the spider shows, uh, like, I'm trying to get off drugs or I lead an active life. I'm an active criminal life. And, it, you know, it's really yeah. complex. But once you know about it, you, can, you start to look for it. And as I say, we've had this influx of people from Eastern Europe into the UK yeah. A large, a large amount of criminals have, have come that way. Uh, like when I was, I left the police in two thousand fourteen or two thousand fifteen, in the two thousand fourteen, um, and we were dealing with a huge Lithuanian organised crime problem of, of organised car thefts, where they were stealing extremely high value motor vehicles uh, via, you know, they they burgle the house, steal the keys, and then drive the car off the off the driveway, and yeah. ship ship, you know, get these cars down to Tilbury and ship them off to St Petersburg or uh, you know other markets and. You know, it's a huge, it's a huge organised crime. Eastern European organised crime in the UK is massive now. Absolutely, yeah, really interesting actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like another one I wanted to bring up was the uh, pirate's head. It's like just so, just for you, it's on page one hundred and four because in the, in your book it says it's a um, like it says where is a violent individual who seeks revenge and confrontation, mm-hmm. but um, and then it says it's good. The letters on it, has, the letters. Um, IRA. IRA, IRA, um, but represent the phrase "I will kill activists." Yeah, uh, activists. Uh, can you elaborate a bit more on that? Like, so, a- 
a- activist is a sort of Russian word for sort of people who are active in the Communist Party, political pe- busybodies, you know. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I, I kill uh, activists. I kill, but era Russians Russians call the IRA era, yeah. and um, don't ask me why. But in the Soviet Union, they were quite popular. <laughs> they were sort of uh, you know a lot of Russian people know about the IRA for some reason. So again, huh, it's, it's linked in with that. That's very interesting. Yeah, um, probably in the Soviet times, they were they were shown as freedom fighters or something, you know. Mm. Well, uh, I, ne- I never expected that one because it's quite a distance. Yeah, well, the Soviet Union was very active in supporting um, political causes. They were, you know, the PLO. They were big supporters of, um, yeah, the IRA, uh, uh, the Bader Meinhofs in in Germany, the Red Red, uh, you know, the Red Army faction, the Bader Meinhof gang, Red Brigada in Italy, they were all supported by the Soviet Union. So people here have got quite a good knowledge about stuff like that. But rather than get drift away, um, pirates, yeah, pirate, see, a pirate is the symbol of an armed robber. Yeah. And you might, you often get this, I, I've met a couple of guys who've got this, one springs to mind, like a sort of buccaneer or pirate is the, is the sign of an, an honest criminal who earns his money by stealing and by, you know, robbing and bank, bank robbery is the symbol of a bank robber, uh, a pirate. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, yeah, and things with knives like uh, that—the the one you're talking about—is the pirate's head with the knife in, knife in his mouth. I think is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, seeking yeah. revenge with I, I, yeah, I kill activists and um, I cut activists. I think it translates as. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's, mate, it's fascinating when you when you and when you see it in real life. I mean, I used to get so excited when I used to see these guys, and you know, they take. I sound like sound a bit weird now, but I'd get excited when these guys would take their top off. Um, <laughs> but I'd, I'd see the tattoos. I'd be like, oh brilliant that means he's an armed robber or that means he's a burglar and i yeah. you know and, I, I, and i'd have to contain myself not to be too excited yeah and then the pirate ships is a thief that assists that will assist others in crimes uh, yeah so it kind of shows that there's there there's there's nuance there and, and you can see the links with the old sailor tattoos from years yeah. and years ago yeah it all it all comes right around yeah and the rose is quite interesting as well and the rose rough and barbed wire even yeah, it's well, like, uh, it's a seventeenth birthday in custody. Yeah, so you get, you get like flowers and um, like a, a tulip in barbed wire. Is, is that your eighteenth birthday? I think it says in the book. I can't remember, but yeah, yeah a, a, any sort of flower within barbed wire shows uh, a stolen youth. You know that a kid spent seventeenth or eighteenth birthday in jail. Yeah, and, it says um, that it's um, kind of been adopted as a as a symbol of membership to the war. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's oh, and also a rose is the symbol of Georgia, the country of Georgia. Um, oh, okay. And I say Georgians make up a disproportionately large amount of Russian criminals. Also. Yeah. See, I, I mean, I'm saying Russian criminals, but the, the correct term is Russian-speaking organized crime gangs, because yes. it's it's not just Russia; it's any sort of part of the Soviet Union, and that, that's one of the strengths of the of I'm going to say the Russian mafia, the Vorovskaya, is that they can draw from Georgians, Armenians, Russians, Belarusians. Uh, Moldovans, you know, they've got this huge pool of people, uh, and, yeah. and and they recruit in jail. And, um, and the Russia, Russia has the second largest prison population in the world behind the United States. It's quite significantly less than the United States, but it's still the second biggest. So yeah. that's one of their strengths. They recruit in jail from anyone who speaks Russian. Yeah, like um, and especially like I've seen. A, there's a few special mentions that I've seen in your book as well, like um. Like you said, the ring tattoos before. Mm. Um, like, there's quite a lot of meanings for those, from what I can tell. Well, there, there are dozens um, and dozens of ring tattoos. I mean, in the book, I've sort yeah. of put the most... Uh, let me find the page. I've sort of put the most common and the ones you encounter most often. But you, you can re- look at the ring tattoos, and it will show you which prison someone's been in 
Um, like again, I mentioned St. Petersburg, the jail there, the Christie is one of the toughest prisons. Yeah. And, and if you've, if you've done your time in the Christie, you'll show it on a ring tattoo. You can, there are ones that show, um, that you're, see, Russian's got this big thing about being a, a real man and not, not sticking your nose in other people's business and not being a busybody. That's sort of seen as sort of a woman's yeah. business. So there's a ring tattoo for that. It says you're neutral. You know, you're, you're, yeah. you're a real man. Um, there's ones that show robbery. There's ones that show rape. There's ones that show GBH. There's ones that show one of the most interesting ones. I've never actually seen this in real life. I just read about it. It's a, an epaulette with a knife through it. And that shows you've committed a violent crime against a police officer or a prison officer. Okay. And that's its own ring yeah. tattoo. Yeah. And then there's also satanic, satanic markings. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, well, that, that's, um, I tell you, I, tell, I can tell you, I can go on all day actually, but yeah. <laughs> I, I once encountered a guy with that. Um, I was, well, I was, I was custody officer in, uh, Hoddesdon in Chesney, near Chesney and, uh, two cops are, are bringing this guy in and he's kicking and screaming and fighting and he's, he's dirty, smelly, only young guy, mid twenties, very small, very slight, you know, like five foot, nothing must've weighed about seven yeah. stone soaking wet, but he's disgustingly dirty. He's got long black fingernails. Uh, he's, he's horrible. And he's screaming, shouting, swearing all in Russian. This guy, anyway, so I'm, I'm sitting in the desk and I, I put my head up and I answer in Russian. Like, what, are you, what are you swearing for? What's the thing? And he gives me a barrage of these back in Russian. And yeah. he was a, he was a Satanist and he had a number of these satanic tattoos, which are, which are like thin lines, very, very, very minimalistic, uh, crosses. Uh, so there's, there's a page about them in the book. Um, and yeah, he was a Satanist. And part of their whole thing is just to be a massive asshole to people and to bully and to be aggressive and to, uh, just, just to be, as nasty and intimidating as you can be. And he was only a tiny little guy, but, um, and I so say eventually when we did, I didn't get to examine his tattoos when I did get to, we were trying to photograph him, you know, he, he yeah. stunk. Yeah. Black. Yeah. I say, um, yeah, he had these satanic tattoos and that for me, that was, that's the only time I've ever encountered that, but that was fascinating. And his whole demeanor was not what you encounter generally with Russian criminals. Yeah. So that's part of what I was going to bring up because it's, because it sounds like the, it's good, the way that like, like from your book, it says like, it's only violent, criminals or stuff like that or people that essentially want to pick shit up <laughs> yeah to dominate. And, it's not, and it's very different from your description of um, like Russian criminals like the Vorbe before yeah where I mean, they have to be calm and stuff yeah, but I don't know if that's still the case well um, the, the, the guy the guy who really sort of everyone everyone who's interested in the subject is a guy called Danzig the guy called Danzig Baldaev was the sort of daddy of this he was a Soviet prison officer in the 50s and he is the first guy who really cottoned on to what was going on and started to catalogue them. And he, he wasn't allowed to photograph them at the time and he had to work in secret. Yeah. He, he drew them and catalogued them. And, uh, and eventually, uh, later on in life, his work was all published in, in a series of books called Russian, I think it's Russian Criminal Tattoo. There's about four or five volumes. And it's, it's a brilliant book and it's, it's really the best book in the subject. Um, and he, he's the one who brings up the satanic tattoos. I didn't know anything about it until I read it in his book. And I said, one time I've encountered it and it, you know, it was exactly what Baldiver said it would be. Yeah, uh, yeah. For me, that was that's really interesting. Actually, mm. um, what are any other ones you want to bring up? Because uh, I think those those are the main ones I went to talk. I went to mention actually. Um, I'll tell you about one more. One more because this is one I, I remember the sort of first time I encountered them. As um, yeah, I tell this. I tell this story all the time. So if anyone's heard me on any other shows or anything, I'm sorry if you've heard it before, but I'll try and tell it <laughs> in a different way. So when I came back from working with the Russian police in 2010 and they started teaching me all about it, I tried to find stuff in English, uh, official police material, and there was nothing. 
There was nothing yeah. official from the police. I contacted Scotland Yard, I contacted Interpol, my own training department, nothing. So the only thing I had was Baldives books and the stuff that the Russians had given me, which was in Russian, but was a lot more informative. And one of the tattoos near was a, a cat with keys underneath, which signifies a burglar. Um, yeah. First time I ever come across it, first, uh, was, I've not been back long, a uh, Lithuanian guy has covered himself in petrol. He's in the town centre uh, with a lighter saying he's going to kill himself. Uh, I get called down there to talk him down. We have a good chat. Eventually, to- managed to calm him down, take him away, and uh, we, ch- we get him a change of clothes. And as he's taking his top off, I see that that among many other tattoos. And yeah. oh, yeah. you tell me about that. And, and he he says, you know, oh, back in Lithuania, I was uh, I was this. I killed someone, but I was a prolific burglar. And, yeah. you know, we, we checked to him and he, yeah, he was, the guy had committed hundreds of burglaries back in his own country. And again, you know, he's, and that, that's all from reading that tattoo. I've just discovered a prolific burglar in our town, which for a cop is, you know, like a bit of a Holy Grail moment when you get that Intel, you know, there's a prolific burglar in town. We didn't know about that, yeah. you know, and, and that's all from reading the tattoos. And, um, you know, I think that one thing I can say, any, any cops, anyone, any criminologists listening is, you know, if you, if you come across it, delve into it, look into it. And, I'm quite happy to answer questions for people. I get, I get every now and again, I get emails from people I've encountered or someone who's looked me up on the internet asking me and I'm, I'll, I'll happily answer any emails. You know, I don't ask for money or anything, but um, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. It's like, um, you, you just brought up a really interesting point. Like um, information that like information, like for the law, law enforcement, a lot of it is behind language barriers and stuff. Like, does that get in the way a lot? Oh, you know, hugely. I mean, you know, you get uh, you, when you when you've got uh, ethnic enclaves in certain towns and cities where people don't speak English, and the cops, you know, the cops only speak English, and the the people who live there don't. How yeah. how can how can you recruit grasses? How can you find out what's going on? How can people, you know, when when the cops on football show, he'll tell you people lo- people love grassing. People, yeah, honestly, people love grassing each other up and. You're on football shop. People come up to you. Oh, have you heard so and so's done this? I'm not. A, or the phrase is, "I'm not a grass right," but and people tell you stuff. Of course, you can't. You can't do that with uh, communities that don't speak English, unless unless the cop is from that community, which is very rare. You know, yeah. again, which has its own which has its own issues. Um, you know, can, you know, can the cop be trusted then? But uh, this is one way that we we managed to get inroads into into a community where we we had no intelligence gathering at all. And we, we probably, I mean, I left four years ago now. Uh, we probably don't have any intelligence gathering still. Yeah. That's like, I, that's it. Like, that's because I, I, I just thought of it when you meant, when you mentioned that right, like in the last section about, um, what's going on? About reading in Russian books and not, and not having any English intel on it. And I was well, like, that, it's available, but it's in a different language. <laughs> well, that, that's what spurred me on, you see, because so I got back and I asked Intel, I asked, I've, again, I've said this story loads of times to people, but I contacted Interpol and um, I said, you know, have you got anything about this? And I spoke to the Russian desk and after Litvinenko, the police uh, cooperation between the UK and Russia had stopped and the Russian yeah. desk was being covered by the Portuguese section. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, I spoke to the guy on the Portuguese section. He goes, man, I don't know anything about this. And you think, you know, this is a basic thing. The Russian cops say, this is the, this is the sort of where you start in Russian policing and yeah. we don't know anything about it. Yeah. So that, that, like, cause that stuck out to me when you said it, like, it seems like a really huge thing. One of the main parts about like Russian criminal life. <laughs> oh, it is, it is. And I say, I used to go, I, I, so I, I wrote this training package when I got back and it expanded and grew and grew. 
And I, first of all, I did it at local training days to my colleagues and they liked it. And someone recommended me to someone else. And I ended up going to Scotland Yard every three months and doing it there. And then I got recommended to the, to, and I ended up doing it on every DS's course in the home counties. And, uh, uh, but one of the, once I, I, I used to love it, I'd do the course and I'd always get emails back from people saying, oh, I've caught someone, I, I, your information, I've got this board. The best one yeah. I ever got, uh, I did it at Scotland Yard once, and about four or five days later, I get an email going with photos showing me this guy they captured, um, and he was a proper high-level Russian uh, criminal, had a Lithuanian passport, uh, because that's another issue about buying passports. It's very simple, and there's a big problem with uh, you know sham marriages between Russian men and uh, Lithuanian women to get passports. And this guy had, he had the stars tattoos, he had uh, daggers, he had skulls, he had pirates. And he was suspected, uh, uh, when I got the intel back, he was suspected of up to eight murders, you know, and that guy's living in London. Yeah. And he, he was so dangerous, he was dealt with by anti-terrorism police. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I, one of my, uh, I've got a very good friend who's an officer. I'm not going to say who, of course. No, no. <laughs> like, but... So every now and then you do hear bits and pieces, like because he can't say that much for songs, but he's not. But he can mention bits that aren't like key details, I guess. I guess the term I'm looking for is it's not. I'm not sure what the exact term is. Yeah, um, you just got be data protection, yeah. but you can you can tell yeah. stories and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's like bits and pieces do like I do here, like, and it's just but it's just like some stories, especially like especially when dealing with like gangs and stuff, can be. Uh, pretty brutal and you don't expect it when you're just living in england like normally because if you oh, don't oh. if you don't experience it you don't really think about it people, think have got no I- people have got no idea what coppers actually see and like, you know I, it, it, I, I, I think my friendship with him is kind of it really like digs in just how much work the off- officers have <laughs> it's just like a lot of people don't kind of appreciate that no, people have got no idea. I tell you, when I was a um, sergeant, when I was a sergeant, uh, a uniform sergeant, I went to three hangings in or three suicides in two days. You know, I mean, two two hangings in one day and another suicide the next day. You know, and for most people, that's a, one of the big events in their life. You know, go, imagine yeah. seeing a dead body. But as a cop, you're cutting down dead bodies, and going, then you have to go and tell the relatives that their person's dead, and you have to tell them they committed suicide. And I remember three in two days. That that was hard, and you know, you, I've seen a child die from a road accident you see the child die in front of you you know seen uh went to a big there was a big shooting in bishop stalkford years ago uh, some guys yeah. went into a house shot the house up and killed three and you know you go in and there's blood everywhere there's three dead bodies and i took a woman to hospital had her foot shot off i think um, i remember hearing about that one actually because i i don't live too far from bishop stalkford like where i come from originally i do i am pretty far now but yeah back there, my hometown is not too far well you know, it was a big cup. When you see things like that, you go home and you, you speak to your partner or you speak to your friends and, you know, your mates might be salesmen or, and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, did this and you think, what did you do? Oh, well, I, you know, I went into this house and dragged the woman out who had her foot shot off and took her to the last yeah. <laughs> It's very, it's very difficult for people to, to understand. And it's, it's very taxing on, on, on you, you know, mentally. And I think police in the UK get, uh, you know, they're under such strain. I mean, police, UK has got one of the lowest police per, Population numbers. I know this is it's coming ridiculous. out in the news now. It's like, uh, yeah, because I think my mate said he had like twenty. Like, I think he had like, what's good? I think he had like ten officers in like what the twenty-five kilometer area or something like that. Oh yeah, you'll get that. You know, it's, it's ridiculous. Like, how like how can you expect them to like deal with everything? I mean, t- it depends on where you are, you know. But you'll you'll get yeah. some areas that have one car, a one double crewed car overnight, and. Uh, it's, it's, it's terrible the way the police have been treated well I don't want to get too political but by the way the way you know I was in the policeman Theresa May was Home Secretary and yeah. um, 
it's, 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 like, it's really awful. Like, because it's like there's such a key element in like society. You'd think there'd be the, like part of things that go get funding. She she decimated the police, absolutely decimated it, and um, yeah. I don't know if there's a, a motive to it or not. But anyway, you know, I don't want to get too political. But um, I don't know. It's, it's like when, when when people are working like eighteen hour shifts, like even in a day job, it's hard. Never mind when you're an officer. Yeah, I I I, I did. I've done two shifts. I did two shifts that were over twenty four hours, and yeah. you know, and one one was a murder, and one was a terrorism thing, and you know, the strain it puts on you, and you're back at work within eleven hours. You know, and, yeah, it's ridiculous. It is bad, but anyway, we, we could go yeah, on. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I think on that we should um, we'll cut to music and then come out of an outro. Sound good? Okay. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, um, cool. So we'll see you in a second, guys. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. And we are back. So, um, yeah. So, Mark, any last comments? Yeah. So, just thanks for having me. Actually, um, I just want to plug my book, Thief in Law. Uh, it's available on Amazon all around the world in Spain, Germany, America. It's in um, bookshops in America, in Barnes and Noble. If, if you if you're in the US, um, if you head to my website, markgbullen.com, you can find out all the information there. Uh, I must say, I'm also I'm heading to the UK in the next two weeks to do a speaking tour. The, the, the speak of this talk I've actually been speaking about during the podcast. Um, I've now t- turned it into one for the public. It's all 99% the same as it was for the police. And I'll be in London, Manchester, Bristol, Leicester, Leighton Buzzard and, and Cologne, one in Germany as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's early September. If you're interested in coming along and learning about Russian mafia and the Russian criminal tattoos, you know, please all come. It's, it's really tickets are like 12 quid. It's really cheap. Yeah. So uh, you can find about that on my website, markgbullen.com, and via Funzing, if anyone knows about them. They're a uh, company that organizes cool nights out. Um, and so the book's available to pre-order now uh, from Schiffer Books in the US. And, yeah, head to my website, markgbullen.com, and I'm on Twitter, markgbullen. Yes. Um, if you're on Twitter and follow me, you'll find him pretty easily because I'll tag him in the post when I put the episode up. Um and yeah, those talk, those talks actually look super interesting because I did look them up. Um, I think the nearest one to me is, was an officer only one, so that's a bit unfortunate for me. Yeah, Leicester. Well, I say it's officer <laughs> yeah. only. It's Leicester, and it's it's law professionals only. So you might be able to, if, you know, if you're into criminology, you can. I'm sure you can talk your way in there. Actually, you can do. You can be like that guy. Yeah, that guy right there. <laughs> yeah. There's some there's some really good speakers on that Leicester one. There's a um, a great a good friend of mine, Martin. Uh, uh, I won't say certain. He works in organised crime, um, and he's yeah. just spent a week in the US working with their police, and he's doing a thing about the gangs in London. He works anti gangs at DS. His is really good. And yeah, if, if you're in, if you're um, anything to do with law enforcement, you you can get yourself onto that one. Well, you know, if I'm uh, if I'm free, I'll let, I'll drop you a message and I'll see what I'll see what happens. Like, yeah, it depends they, on work, but yeah. yeah. Leighton Buzzard's <laughs> not too far from Birmingham, is it? It's like an hour. You can. 
I have no idea where it is. Oh, somewhere <laughs> in Bedfordshire. Yeah, I, I don't actually know where it is, but I'm going there. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm in Russia now, you see, and uh, like drive a, a trip of sort of ten hours is seen as like not that far. So it's a bit. <laughs> I know it's a bit different. Yeah, than you, it's but. completely different. Um, but yeah, also I, I don't actually drive, so that's that's part of an issue as well. <laughs> oh yeah, public uh, transport trains mostly um, trains. Yeah, and you need to be a, an oil baron to afford them in the UK, don't you? Yeah, Leicester's not too bad from here, actually. I don't know about getting buzzed. It's like the towns that can be really expensive. Yeah, um, well, like C is all right, not me. I'd love to see you there, actually. So you know, if you if you can, yeah, I'll definitely try to make it down. Um. Oh, yeah, did you want to plug anything else or shout anyone out or etc.? Uh, no, I'll, I'll be like um, a guy in The Simpsons. Go see my movie. So go and buy my book. Uh, <laughs> you can Excellent. find it on Amazon. Just Google Thief in Law by Mark Bullen. Awesome. Uh, cool. And then I, I, my shout outs were that'll be the Murderly website, uh, as all, as usual. That's murder.ly. And you can find a bunch of other cool podcasts on there. Uh, social media, we have. Uh, Facebook at facebook.com slash blood on the rocks Twitter and Instagram at the bloody rocks email at botrpodcast at gmail.com and if you want to support the show check out patreon.com slash blood on the rocks and you can pick up some good goodies there hopefully I should be getting on top of that again soon with this hiatus <laughs> but yeah and I think that's everything so um, thanks for being here Mark спасибо большое и so everyone else, thank you for listening. Rate, review, subscribe. Don't forget to tell your friends and have a great week. I'll see you soon. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.